0: Welcome to Leap Into Your Story Podcast, where you discover your inner story, break down the process, and meet others who've done it so you can leap into your own story. We interview amazing guests who provide powerful insights that inspire you to get your story told. Be sure to visit our website at LeapintoYourStory.com and while you're there, subscribe and like us via your favorite social media network. Now sit back. Get ready to take some notes, and let's get started. This episode of Leap Into Your Story podcast is brought to you by Leap Into Your Story course. Visit leapintoyourstory.com where you have a guide to get your story told. I'm Victoria Anderson, host, and welcome to Leap Into Your Story podcast, uh, where you discover your inner story, work through the process, and meet others who've done it. We're interviewing amazing guests who provide you powerful insights and inspire you to get your story told. So be sure to visit my website at leapintoyourstory.com. And while you're there, like, subscribe, and share via your favorite social media network. In this episode, we're going to be discussing the unorthodox ufology and conspiracy. And my guest today is Norio Hayakawa, public speaker, commentator, musician, composer, activist, and unorthodox rational ufologist. So he has investigated UFO phenomena for close to 60 years. He's also written a book, Um, taken his passion to paper, UFOs, The Grand Deception, and the Coming New World Order. He has also written the foreword for Anthony Sanchez's book, UFO Highway, The Dulce Interview, Human Origins, Harp, and Ply- Project Blue Beam. So, Norio, that's quite a list. So, tell us uh, about you and, and your story and what, what has started uh, it all.
1: Well, Victoria, it's just my great pleasure at this moment to be on your program. Uh, my name is Norio Hayakawa, and I am a right now a resident of this beautiful city of Rio Rancho in beautiful New Mexico, USA. And actually, this state, New Mexico, uh, has been the major part of my. Uh, almost all my life. In fact, uh, I came to this great land of enchantment in 1965 uh, to the city of Albuquerque to study the um, Spanish language, especially the Spanish language uh, uh, spoken in uh, you know, Northern New Mexico. And, uh, but anyway, and uh, Spanish culture in general of New Mexico and uh, I lived here, actually I lived in Albuquerque from 1965 to uh, 1973, after which I moved to Phoenix, Arizona where I actually became a high school, public high school uh, Spanish teacher. But uh, anyway, uh, in a, uh, right next to Phoenix uh, in a very uh, rural town called Tolleson, but anyway, and thereafter, I uh, actually I became interested, and I actually joined a country western band in uh, Phoenix, and played a uh, lead guitar and traveled uh, to Canada uh, for quite some time. And uh, you know, uh, and you know, but it was when I moved to California in 1982 that. I found my um, long career uh, as a licensed funeral director. And that I would say was my main career of my life from 1982 to 2008 when I retired and then decided to move here to New Mexico again but this time with my wife. whom I met actually in a funeral home where I, when I was uh, giving her a tour of uh, this uh, funeral home in Los Angeles. Uh, but anyway, this is a weird story, but it was while I was working in the funeral home that I became interested in a um, facility Uh, called Area 51 in Nevada in 1988. At that time, very few people had ever heard of Area 51, but in 1989, I was working at this funeral home at night, and there was nobody except me, except about 26 uh, sleeping people in the (laughs) morgue. So uh, anyway, I was listening to this night uh, talk show that's came from Las Vegas, I could hear it, I could catch it in Los Angeles and I was listening to this talk program and there was this so-called scientist who claimed that he had been working on a reverse engineering program of a strange object that was recovered by the United States government in 1947. And, uh, you know, I became interested in this facility, Area 51, uh, at the time when most people never heard of it. And so uh, I brought a Japanese TV crew, somehow I, I managed to contact them and uh, I brought this Japanese TV crew and went to Las Vegas to interview this scientist that was in 1990. Uh, and uh, he told us about this base called Area 51. and uh, it was on a Wednesday evening when we went to his house in Las Vegas and uh, he told us where to go. He himself didn't want to go to this location, uh, but he told us where to go. And so the crew of about 10 of the Nippon Television Network went to this location about two hours' a drive north of. Uh, Las Vegas, and uh, we arrived at this lonely stretch of highway called Highway 375, and we set up our camera according to this scientist's uh, instruction, and Lord behold, just as he said uh, in our interview in Las Vegas, just after sundown, we be- began to see some strange reddish light uh, pumping out of the mountain range that covered area 51. And we were quite impressed, you know, uh, we saw this uh, bright reddish object about three times during the uh, uh, half an hour segment, while we set up the professional cameras over there. And uh, I was impressed. And that was the beginning of my long uh, journey into the research of area 51. And of course, uh, Later on, as I started taking uh, reporters and journalists to this location, uh, which was the, uh, the perimeter of the boundary line of Area 51 on Groom Lake Road, uh, I did this for several years. And uh, later, on, later on, I became convinced that uh, perhaps this kind of things that are being tested may not be alien at all, but uh, our own U.S. government's projects. Uh, But anyway, uh, at the same time, I became interested in the rumors in New Mexico that there was a secret underground facility located inside a Native American uh, reservation called the Hikari Apache Reservation, which was, located in their town called Dulce. And that was in 1990 also. And uh, I took the same TV crew and began to interview the local folks there. Uh, But uh, suddenly we were detained by a local uh, uh, police uh, chief and we were detained for one hour. he was asking us what we were doing there and we were just telling him that we heard this rumor that there was a base here and we wanted to ask people about it and we were interviewing the people on the street of Dulce and uh, but anyway, uh, he let us go after an hour of detention and uh, we, we asked him, is it true that there is a base here to which he mysteriously answered I don't want to talk about it (laughs) and so that was an interesting experience and so that uh, became my passion later on uh, which was to get to the bottom of this rumor that there was an underground base or underground laboratory conducted by the U.S. government over there in Dulce and You know, I've been to Dulce many, many times thereafter. And uh, I go there even now because uh, it's only about three hours drive from Rio Rancho. And I, over the years, I befriended a lot of Native American people over there in Dulce. And, you know, even though there is absolutely no tangible physical and even documentary evidence whatsoever that there is a physical underground base there, Uh, there are still many sighting reports there, even today, of local people seeing some strange lights uh, at night and once in a while seeing a flight of uh, some military helicopters over the area, over Dulce. And so I still don't have any evidence, but, well, even though they may not be a physical base there, I believe that some kind of uh, what I describe as paraphysical phenomenon can exist over there, you know, and because people still report strange lights and uh, local people there uh, report uh, seeing uh, uh, visions or actual uh you know, things like uh, Bigfoot and uh, hearing strange sounds and so on, and things like that even go on even to this day. So I think there's something there. There may not be an underground base there, but, you know, that's a Native American land, uh, which is filled with uh, distinctive uh, cultural and religious beliefs. So uh, I think there's something to that because uh, I came to the conclusion that in this world, not everything can be explained prosaically or by scientific uh, methods. Uh, empirical science uh, right now cannot explain everything about this world. There's still something strange and, and sometimes wonderful about This world that we cannot see with our physical uh, eyes. And so that's my basic uh, position that I have investigated UFOs since 1961 when I was a high school student in Yokohama, Japan. And, you know, in 1964, when I went to college in Tokyo for one year, one day in April, of 1964, I saw an article in an English newspaper in Tokyo about a police officer in New Mexico in a small town called Socorro, New Mexico, uh, where this police officer claimed he had witnessed an egg-shaped object just sitting on the sand, you know, about 300 feet above. From him. And uh, this was, was the famous Socorro incident. And I became fascinated uh, about this incident. That's what was one of the reasons I became fascinated with the state of New Mexico itself. And so in 1965, coincidentally, and I don't believe there's such thing as coincidence in our lives, but uh, coincidentally, I had received a uh, scholarship at a college in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And so uh, I came to uh, Albuquerque in 1965 and uh, I fell in love with this tremendous state of uh, New Mexico. Uh, even though I left Albuquerque in 1973 and moved on to Arizona and then later to California this impression of New Mexico never left me. And this is reason why after living in Los Angeles and after retiring over uh, from there in 2008, my wife and I decided that New Mexico is a place to retire. And uh, it was the best decision ever of our life in I'm so happy to be living here in this wonderful, amazing, spacious uh, state of New Mexico, uh, which has some of the most amazing things, such as the leading edge technology in military research. Uh, It's all centered here in New Mexico. For example, New Mexico has the nation's most advanced uh, directed energy weapons programs in the whole world. And it's been conducted at White Sands and so on. And, you know, New Mexico has some very important research locations such as Los Alamos. And and it has a great, uh, you know, Air Force research uh, laboratory right here in Albuquerque at Kirtland Air Force Base. So in many ways, New Mexico is in the forefront of important Technology, military technology, which is very important, I think, for national defense, no question about it. But at the same time, because of the tremendous area of uh, New Mexico uh, as far as space is concerned, there's so much space here and land uh, to do uh, fascinating projects. And, uh, you know, and this is the reason why uh, my wife and I decided. Uh, to uh, uh, to make this our home until we die. And, uh, you know, uh, it's a blessing. I believe New Mexico is truly a land of enchantment in more ways than one. There's enchantment all over. And, you know, I'm a really a scientific uh, person because I believe that uh, the empirical uh you know, scientific method is the only way to, uh, to measure some things. But uh, in this world, I said, there are things that we cannot measure or we cannot uh, come to any conclusion just by scientific method. So in this world, there are things that we still can't understand. The, the world itself is a mystery. Life and death is a mystery. And so that is my basic position. And I'm gonna continue To uh, tell people how wonderful New Mexico is. But, uh, you know, there are a lot of folks in New Mexico who worry that, uh, you know, people are coming in droves to New Mexico from other states. But uh, this is not really a matter of too much worry because New Mexico is a tremendously humongous area. It's the fifth largest state in the entire United States, yet the entire population of this entire state is two million and it has been like that for many many years and one of the reasons is that uh of course a lot of people don't know much about New mexico and uh you know people uh now I think uh, many people from California move to places like uh, Arizona and Nevada and Colorado and uh, maybe Texas, but but they seem to skip New Mexico for some reason or other. And, you know, uh, of course, uh, you know, cities like Albuquerque, which has a population of 600,000 compared to uh, Rio Ranchos, 100,000, okay, it just occupies only almost half of the entire population of the entire state of New Mexico. So considering that this is a humongous state that only has a population of 2 million. Okay. There's plenty of room and uh, you know, uh, we need industry as well and we need uh, a lot of things. So I'm glad that, uh, you know, uh, companies like Amazon and, you know, and, facebook and uh you know uh, all those are and movie industry is coming to New Mexico it's good for the state, but yep. uh you know uh people worry too much about uh things like uh population and all so on but uh, the thing is that because New Mexico has so many retirees uh you know we have to remember that every year many of these retirees. Uh, Pass on, and uh, most people don't know that while people are coming from other states to New Mexico, some you know some in in some numbers, it seems to balance uh, out because uh, many old people who live in New Mexico, New Mexico are dying actually, and so we shouldn't be worried too much. And as far as the water situation is concerned, there's a uh, paranoia about, uh, you know, water running out, but in, in some ways it may be true, but you have two sources of water here. The, uh, you know, the, uh, we have the uh, surface water and, uh, uh, of course, uh, things like uh, the, uh, the water that's coming from the uh, San Juan Chama project. Uh, you know, that brings water to this area, to Albuquerque, Rio Rancho. Uh, Of course, the surface water we have to conserve, but also we have a plenty of aquifer. Uh, It's the uh, underground water, which is almost like a savings type. So, uh, you know, we have a savings of aquifer underground water, just like uh, in case uh, the surface water goes away because of climate change, but you know that's going to take a uh, maybe fifteen more years, a hundred year more years more. and uh, New Mexico has what's known as a hundred year water program, and uh, we're only using surface water right now uh, so, but uh, because of the climate change, this 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 may just go down and down and down. So we must conserve water as much as possible. But it's not a dire, dire situation as far as, uh, you know, uh, catas- catastrophic situation is concerned. And so I wouldn't be worried too much. Uh, of course, we need to conserve water. But, sure. you know, this is just my public opinion. So... New Mexico's people are very proud of this state, and uh, uh, but uh, you know I, I don't see any reason why uh, people can't come to this state if they want to, because uh, you know, and actually, uh, you know, uh, people are coming. But as I said, a lot of people are also passing away here. So the population tends to remain, uh, basically about the same. And, uh, you know, but anyway, what I want to say is that, uh, but anyway, I, I'm going to die here. No question about it. <laughs>
0: well, not today.
1: Not today. <laughs> today. Uh, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> but, uh, no, you never no,
0: know. No, yeah. no, no. We got, we got to air this. We got, <laughs> you aren't going nowhere, Norio. <laughs>
1: yes. But, uh, Victoria, I'm so glad that you're living in Rio Rancho.
0: I am we are we are fellow Rio Ranchoans, yes, yes. and i, I am this. I'm one of those Californians who did not pass up New Mexico because okay. I have my own story about the land of enchantment early on. When I was uh five or six, my parents used to take a train every year to the east Coast to visit our relatives, and New Mexico. Um, was always like I couldn't wait to get there. Sad when we left when the train went, but amazing beauty, just yes. the mesmerizing lightning storms that exactly. you know.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, yes. you know, a lot of people yes. just think that New Mexico is just a, a desert and
0: in- yeah, they are they, delightfully surprised when they come here. Yes, so there me, are uh, yes, yes. Night,
1: uh, mm-hmm. some of the locations in uh, uh, Rio Rancho, like, uh, you know, the Rio Grande, mm-hmm. some great uh, riverside beaches here. And, yes. Uh, Yeah, I
0: didn't know about that until I saw your videos. And I'm like, wow.
1: Oh, yes. (laughs) I didn't know about that.
0: Been here 15 years, didn't know about that. So (laughs) I appreciate those those videos on. Oh, uh, yeah,
1: good. And Mm -hmm. uh, I also think that uh, there are some places in Albuquerque that a lot of people don't know about. For example, there being a great uh, sand dunes area in Albuquerque. Mm -hmm. Great sand dunes that... uh, uh, it's located, you know, uh, on West Mesa and, uh, uh, you know, just south right. of uh, I-40. Uh, it, it's mm-hmm. a great area. It almost reminds you of uh, White Sands, but, uh, you know, it's not as large. But uh, I go there sometimes uh, to enjoy that environment. And yes. there's hardly any people there because most people don't know about it. Right. So a lot of people don't know much about the state of New Mexico, even though they may be a resident of New Mexico for many, many years, many people have no idea about the rest of New Mexico. For example, the wonderful small towns of New Mexico where people know you by your first names. And there are many, many of these beautiful small locations, uh, you know, such as uh, Chama and Cuesta and uh, you know all these uh, nice places like Mora and uh, you know places where there's less than three thousand people and you know you everybody knows each other and you know right. so there are so many beautiful areas that most people have ever have yes. hardly heard about and so you know. New Mexico is not only Rio Rancho and Albuquerque, even though they occupy, uh, you know, almost half of the population of the state. But, uh, you know, there are a lot of places that are, you know, uh, open and uh, less crowded and nice communities all over New
0: Mexico. Yes, absolutely. Now, let me ask you, Norio, um, I know that we, you touched a little bit about the Dulce and, you know, the, uh, you know, whether or not there is a uh, any base in there, but with some questionable activity. Now, I think I, I, you mentioned at one time during your, one of your lectures that I did attend when I first moved out here is right, I think it was at, down the street at the Esther Bone Library. I see <laughs> that you had mentioned that there was a certain, like the military may know about uh, the parent, like the paranormal, um, I don't know what you call it, geometrics of the state. Because when I moved here, I like the paranormal activity is not something new to me. But when I moved to New Mexico, it shot off the charts at an exponential rate. So when, and that's why I remembered at one of your lectures um, that saying that, you know, maybe that's why some of the military works here is there could be, you know, a knowledge of that. And I write about that in my book, Mastering the Paradox of some of the off the chart, almost unbelievable paranormal activity that I experienced thankfully it's calmed down but the first few years it was almost like I was living in a horror movie <laughs> so what is your take because I know you mentioned that you know paraphysical entities that one of the reasons that all this UFO phenomena could be happening is that tied into that is kind of what you're touching into yes kind of I, that same I, I think thing? so Mm -hmm. You
1: know, uh, the government uh, and uh, some government scientists have also a belief that uh, not everything in this world can be seen by a naked eye. And uh, for this reason, the uh, United States military, I believe, uh, has always been interested in uh, this kind of phenomenon, (laughs) And uh, so, you know, you just can't debunk uh, these kind of phenomena. And uh, perhaps the military has always been interested in uh, the uh, the out-of-the-ordinary items. And uh, this is the reason why I believe that uh, because of places like... uh, Native American Indian reservations where uh, the Native Americans believe in the paranormal phenomena. Uh, you know. Mm. And this is the reason why uh, the, the military may have been interested in locations like Dulce to test uh, certain things like uh, psychological reactions, uh, uh by local residents on certain items. And so there has been rumors before that the military was in Dulce area Mm. to test um, some of these things like uh, psychological operations and so on. And Mm. and, uh, there was even this, uh, 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 the police chief uh, or not police chief, but, there was this New Mexico state patrol officer who was assigned to Dulce area by the New Mexico state after uh, the cattle mutilation incidents of the 1970s uh, became prominent in Northern New Mexico. And the state of New Mexico assigned this patrol officer to be in charge of that area because they thought that cattle mutilation incidents was just the same as criminal activity. So uh, this uh, officer Gabe Valdez was assigned to be in charge of that whole area. And uh, Gabe Valdez, uh, whom I knew personally, uh, he came to the conclusion that the government may have tested some things in the Dulce area, such as, Using uh, remotely controlled platforms that resembled like a flying saucer or something, and mm. and tested the people's reaction over there, and you know, so this is not just an isolated uh, thought. This the Air Force has always been interested in the out of the ordinary, and uh, they are still interested. In getting to the bottom of the UFO phenomenon itself, and this is the reason why, uh, recently in the past uh, two or three years, there seem to have been specific programs, uh, you know, that the United States Air Force encouraged, uh, with uh, provision of some money to organizations like uh, the. Uh, Robert Bigelow Foundation in Las Vegas to check on the feasibility of the of UFO research. You know, so uh, there has been some weird uh, video footages of a strange craft being seen, which was taken by the United States Air Force, and so this is still on the table. In other words. Uh, they still haven't come to any conclusion, but the United States Air Force is definitely interested in uh, UFOs, but they don't call it UFOs. They call it unidentified aerial phenomena, And they considered, they considered this as phenomenon rather than objects. So, uh, you know, this may tie in to this uh, paraphysicality of this phenomenon whether it's the craft itself or the entities itself, they seem like they, they appear physically, seemingly, into this dimension from another dimension that coexists with us. So it's to me, it's, it could be some kind of a unexplainable, sudden materialization, uh, into this dimension, but the problem is that they seem not to be able to survive in our physical dimension for too long, except for a few minutes at a time. Hmm. And that's basically, uh, Victoria, is my conclusion to this phenomenon, is that we're dealing with some phenomenon that it's, we cannot really grasp with our hands and we cannot grasp with our scientific knowledge because it seems that uh, this kind of phenomenon uh, seemed to pre-select its observers in advance. Uh, that's, this is the reason why not everybody seemed to be able to see this kind of phenomenon. And so uh, my conclusion that is that it could be pre-selective In who uh, sees these uh, uh, phenomena or who experiences this kind of phenomena. It's a pre-selection to me, and uh, we still don't, I still don't understand who is selected to uh, witness this kind of uh, things, like sightings, you know?
0: That's interesting. Yeah, because I've heard that you know, in a group of people who've seen something in the sky, you might have only a handful that look up and see something, where the other is gone. I don't see anything. Um, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Which is but, bizarre.
1: <laughs> but regardless, uh, you know, I uh, love I love watching the skies of New Mexico with this beautiful cloud formations. Uh, And uh, I'm also interested in lenticular clouds that are very, you know, quite common in this uh, state. And in fact, uh, in January of this year, 2021, uh, thousands of uh, folks in New Mexico witnessed some strange Lenticular clouds that almost resemble flying saucers. Mother
0: ships. They look like yes. mother ships. I saw those.
1: <laughs> yes, you saw those, uh, and uh, so you know it's just uh, fascinating. That the sky is always fascinating, and uh, but overall, the reason I like New Mexico is the diversity of climate here. Uh, you have the four seasons. You know, mm-hmm. uh, summer, spring fall and winter and there is four season every day here because yes. right in the morning <laughs> around six o'clock it's almost looks like winter and then 10 o'clock it's like a spring and around two o'clock it's like summer and then you know at night it's like a autumn and winter again yes
0: yes exactly four that's well well put <laughs> Four seasons in a day. You yes, have that's that. why you
1: never get tired of this. Yes, thing.
0: you have that correct.
1: <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, I just wanted, I think I've expressed most of my uh, uh, thoughts, uh, even though it's these thoughts may be superficial, but uh, definitely I would like to go into the details in the, in a future uh, uh, with you, Victoria, and you know, and uh, I hope uh, people will respond uh, to uh, this uh, program because I'm sure that people can have tremendous input. Maybe they have similar experiences here. You never know. So I'm very much open to. Uh, questions and the interaction with the people who watch your program
0: absolutely well norio i think that we're just about ready to wrap it up here so before we do uh tell our folks where they can find more information about you your website if you have you know any facebook groups for discussion where can we find out more about you and your books and yes. other matters that you're connected to.
1: Yes, I'm on Facebook uh, and uh, I am on Google and uh, people can just uh, search my name, Norio Hayakawa, on Google and you can find a lot of information about myself and you can also you do a YouTube search and just typing my name, Norio Hayakawa, and I have uh, plenty of fascinating uh, short videos. My Most of my videos are just two or three minutes long, and I have lots of videos on uh, UFOs as well as uh, beautiful sceneries of New Mexico and so on. And uh, people can just contact me through, uh, you know, those kind of uh, uh, locations like YouTube and google and facebook and uh, i'm willing to talk to people and uh, they can also email me at noriohayakawa at gmail.com and uh, i can ask answer any question but anyway thank you so much victoria for your uh, enthusiastic uh, uh, response to my uh, weird ramblings (laughs)
0: It's been a pleasure, Norio. Uh, certainly, and uh, for thank you for sharing some insights, and hopefully, other people who do research. Uh, I don't know if everybody's going to do sixty, almost sixty years of research, but hey. There's no, uh, there's no too old to do anything. This is a great time to get a book out, get your story, get your experiences um, out, you know, for others to inspire others to do so. And I certainly want to thank you for spending time with me and chatting a little bit about that and want to thank all of our viewers for tuning in to leap into your show leap into your story show where you discover your inner story, where we help you break down the process and meet others who've done it. So this will help you get inspired into your own journey to leap into your own story. So remember to visit my website at leapintoyourstory.com so you can enjoy more great episodes like this one. And again, while you're there, subscribe, like, and share via your favorite network so we're looking forward to seeing you all next time on leap into your story show norio did you want to share a little bit of your composer talent and play us off
1: (laughs) well maybe perhaps next time when i'm
0: okay yeah all right then well in that case until next time uh we will chat again. And again, I thank you for your time and insights here on leap into your story. And I wanted to wish you a good day.
1: Thank you so much. God bless you, Victoria. Thank you. you
0: Thank you. Take care, Norio. Thank Thank you for tuning into the leap into your story podcast where you discover your inner story, break down the process, and meet others who've done it so you can leap into your own story. Remember to visit our website at leapintoyourstory.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're there, subscribe and like to us via your favorite social media network. We're looking forward to seeing you next time on the Leap Into Your Story podcast.